0: The Advice Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Advice Podcast, where we cover off all the things you need to know to get financially ahead in New Zealand. Today we're joined by Kendall Flutie, co-founder and co-CEO of Banker, a financial literacy program of available to all schools across Aotearoa and Australia. Kendall has been nationally recognised for the amazing work that she does and continues to do. Welcome, Kendall. It's so great to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate your time for someone who is um, so invested and genuinely interested in the next generation of raising financially literate humans. Um, In your opinion or in your thoughts, why is, like your story, why is financial literacy just so important to you?
1: Mm. Well, Thanks for having me here. I'm actually really excited to be on this podcast. Um, Yeah, I have really dedicated the last, you know, almost decade of my life to financial education. Um, And I think the thing that resonated with me from the start is the difference it can make in an individual's life. And that came to life through me seeing how financial literacy affected my little brother's trajectory in the first instance. And now I've seen it throughout communities um, and actually throughout our whole nation. And I think we can't discount the facts that financial education and financial literacy leads to better financial and wellbeing outcomes for our people. Yeah, but you some people talk about it
0: <laughs> and you've <laughs> actually found a solution that mm. can easily sort of be applied and implemented and make change at a mass level. Like, mm. uh, not everyone is set up to influence lots of people with this with a system or an idea like you have but what are some of the things that if we don't focus on financial literacy and even as one-on-ones and we don't encourage it what are some of the outcomes like what happens
1: if we don't Mm. care? Yeah it's quite bleak really when we stop caring um, about our financial education we've sort of seen that played out over the last few decades really there's a, Mm. a generation of people who can speak to um, post book savings in class and then there's this big void and mm. now we're starting to see a bit more education coming through again which is great but if we neglect it at an individual level we start seeing people who are more likely to be financially vulnerable or, or misled and um, mm. we've seen some of that come through it's now been legislated against thankfully but you know those truck shops with the super high interest. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah. They house. come
0: over the yeah. hill from
1: Wellington. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, them. it's horrific stuff, hey? And, and mm. so that's affecting us individually. But then, on oh, mass, we're making less investment in our future for retirement. So that comes at a cost to the government and us collectively. Um, we're not making the sophisticated investment decisions. We're not creating new jobs for each other. Um, there's the, the full spectrum of consequences if we don't really address this head on.
0: Yeah, I don't know how your parents talked to you about money or whether your literacy came from them because I know for many, you know, it either comes through trial or error or those Mm. who you're surrounded with. How did you identify the gap and knew that Banker needed it to be created?
1: Mm, I actually did get quite a good finance education from my family. Yeah, Half of it was intentional and half of it wasn't. (laughs) So half of it I witnessed my parents and sort of them navigating a really challenging financial world and situation. Mum was a single mom, and um, you know, dad had his financial challenges as well and struggles. And then there was this other side where my grandparents were engaging me in conversations about share trading, um, they were supporting me to save to open up a term deposit. Um, and my stepdad um, embedded a lot of skills as well. So I sort of saw both perspectives, um, but really. That light bulb moment for Banker and the scalable financial literacy solution came through my little brother. And when I was back home, I'd just flunked out of being an accountant and I'd retrained as a software developer. And I saw this 12 year old boy who used to only talk about sports starting to engage with me about tax brackets and investment strategies wow. um, and employment structures. <laughs> yeah, and I saw this transformation in him. And that's when I learned that his teacher was teaching him about money at school. And it was just the most effective thing. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't bottle up his teacher. But what I could do instead is work with his teacher to bottle up that knowledge and automate a lot of it, put it on an online platform and share that with the world.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm one of your biggest fans, you know, with three kids myself and financial advisor by trade, you know, I also have those daily conversations of people going, oh, God, I wish we'd done this 10 years earlier. And why didn't I know this? Why didn't I get taught this at school? Or it mm. might be that they weren't. It's not that they weren't taught. Maybe they can't remember <laughs> because they've had such a good time in their 20s. Not sure. But I think it's important to realise as well. And I think one of the big things for us, and, you know, I've got a colleague, Rox, who talks about they used to walk down the road with their FPOS card wrapped in tinfoil, you know, worried that their documents were going to, or their details Mm. were going to be stolen. And, you know, checkbooks have gone and money has become Mm. so fast. I don't even know whether parents are able to um, talk to their kids about some of the ways that they're learning money and the things that they're thinking about because it's coming through these platforms that we Mm. don't always follow ourselves. And so we're leaving, you know, if you don't get involved or you don't know that there's something going well in schools, the kids are getting it from TikTok and from, you know, sort of unsolicited advice and they're hearing things on the radio, you know, these brands, these afterpay brands and these payday services. Like it's hard to keep up with, where money's moving and where it's all going. To be focused on doing your own good stuff and handing on good information, you can't do it mm. all, can you? So do you think that, is that why it's important
1: for it to be really focused on in the school system? De- definitely one of the key components. Um, it is evolving at such a rapid pace. FinTech has exploded in the last five years alone. Yeah. Um, our regulators you know, having to try and keep pace but largely like you say the social media influences um, who are acting now as sort of the most trusted advisors for an entire generation on financial topics, they are largely unregulated, we're yeah. starting to see some catch up and then the sophistication of the technology is sort of meaning that we can forget about money a little more which I don't necessarily think is a healthy thing, mm. um, we're sort of kicking that can down the road with buy now pay later. So to place financial education in the school, Um, it does solve that issue in the fact that we can trust the curriculum is keeping pace. But the other thing that I love about financial education being in school is school can be a great equaliser. We have different lives outside of the school gates. Um, We're born into different scenarios. Um, We have parents engaging or family engaging with us in different ways. But if we can promise a child a certain level of financial education during their time at school, then I think that's the best gift we can give to society as a whole. We can ensure that everyone has a right to access a basic level of financial education. Um, So when they go out to the financial world, whatever that looks like in you know 10 years' time, they're prepared to engage uh, effectively.
0: Well, I always find, I think it's because of the industry I'm in, but I always find that if there's a free flow of conversation and you lose the taboo-ness of talking about money, mm-hmm. you actually mm-hmm. find that, people have more in common and it can be really aspirational like you know we all love stories success stories and you know something to aim for so to speak and so if you're a child who maybe hasn't had the benefit of parents in a healthy Mm -hmm. financial state and so you're not getting that at home Getting it somewhere
1: is better than getting it nowhere, isn't it? So right, you're so right. And if we think a bit more strategically about our whole nation, like I don't think we are great about talking about money generally, whether it's celebrating or, um, you know, confiding in each other that what's gone wrong for us. So to have an entire generation who feel comfortable talking about money with their peers at school, with their teacher, perhaps, um, that's going to be a massive shift and have really positive outcomes for us if we feel we can be more transparent and open around money issues but also money successes. Mm.
0: And and why do you think Kiwis are so bad at talking about money?
1: There's got to be a bit of that tall poppy stuff in there, right? Like we don't want to stick our head up above the rest generally speaking so we're definitely not going to do it with something that's considered in the air quotes so personal and sensitive as our financial situation. Um, I think there's a lot of yeah, cultural nuances that, I mean, Kiwis wouldn't really gravitate towards talking about money. But yeah. I think it's one of the best things you can do, not only for your kids, but for your friends to normalize the fact that oh, I struggled to meet you know, my savings goal this month. So I'm going to have to work a little bit harder. That's a cool thing to say around the office to normalize that kind of behavior and make it OK for people to talk to each
0: other about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, and get support. And also from Mm -hmm. a mental health perspective, like I'm a firm believer that, you know, we all have issues and it's not perfect sailing Mm -hmm. at any time, is it? But if you're... Mm -hmm. um, Money, um, it's the one thing that is in our life on a daily basis, and it's a stressor. And if it's a stressor and you can't talk about it, then the the problem's just compounding, isn't it? How are we placed, um, and I think I've heard you answer this in another forum, but from a world perspective, are there people worse at talking about money than Kiwis? Yes,
1: there definitely are. Okay, that's Um, good. So, you'll often find like culturally restrictive nations that uh, have like quite high regulation um or quite high government intervention will not talk about money as much, um whereas you know our American counterparts will probably be quite forthcoming and telling <laughs> us, each other their salaries. Um, but generally, when we look at ourselves on the world stage, there's that component, but there's also like our financial literacy rates generally. And we actually don't do too bad. Like, we're in the upper um, half of OECD countries, which is fantastic, and we usually float around Australia, which I know we always like to compare ourselves to them. But the problem is, like, generally speaking, across the board, no one's doing that well. So I I think it's a real fallacy when we start comparing ourselves to each other instead of our gold standard of where we want to be as a nation because if we're all kind of doing sub-par, then who cares if we're coming first or, or last, really?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a hard comparison to make, isn't it? Mm. And mm. how many kids are learning from Banker at the moment? It's a phenomenal number, isn't it? It's pretty
1: cool. So since we launched, we've had 300,000 students through the platform, and every year, I think in tot- totality across both platforms, across the countries that we work in, yeah, we're nearing the sort of hundred k mark of, of students each year, which is yeah, it's pretty mind blowing. Uh, well, I think it's absolutely phenomenal, and
0: you like from a primary school basis, from a service perspective, you've got Kiwi Bank who are mm-hmm. right in behind you and. Do they? Is it true they fund it for all primary schools? How does that work? Yeah,
1: they do. So um, when we started out, it was user pays in primary schools, but we started seeing this, like, I would call it a perverse skew, yeah. where we weren't capturing um, an equal subset of society. So you could argue that if generally just private schools or high-deaf schools are using our platform, arguably we could be making that inequality gap worse Um, so we need to look for a solution where our business could be viable and sustainable um, and reach our goals but also we could really make financial education a right because we could remove the cost barrier so Kiwi Bank really rallied behind that cause um, and our belief that everyone should be entitled to financial education at some stage in their life and they do they take the cost away completely so it's free for primary schools to use our platform um, which is pretty phenomenal and you know, that relationship again has been pretty enduring and they're all about the impact and the difference we're making in our communities. So we we couldn't really ask for a better partner.
0: Yeah, no, I yeah, I do take my hat off to them. Um, I'm mm. just gonna ask and I don't wanna make this political at all, but now you know, we've had news that Kerry Banks being bought by the government. Mm. Are you I I suppose um I'm usually the optimist, but do you think now that the government are gonna go, Oh well, we're doing enough because Kiwi Bank funds banker that we're not gonna put any more focus on financial literacy in schools? Like, what do you think would be the absolute gold standard? Um, and what yeah. what more do we need? Like I would yeah, I I sort of worry about that perspective that they'll think that they've ticked the box by buying Kiwi Bank, who oh. supports you, like we need more, do we? What 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 more needs to happen for us all to yeah, lift the bar for I everyone?
1: I t- totally appreciate that perspective. It's always a concern when you're actually doing quite well, right? That everyone yeah. else they can sit on their hands. But this is such a complex, societal issue that affects us all. We all need to be part of the solution. And I'm I yes. don't feel I'm going overboard when I say that. Yes. Um, my dream scenario is for us to be the first nation to mandate financial education in schools, um, n- you know, nationwide. I would love oh, to see... i just got shivers. Citizens. You just said that, and I've got, <laughs> I've got shivers. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, And I don't think it's too far out of the question. We've seen off the back of the GFC, and then again now through um, our COVID economic turbulence, we've seen certain states in the US mandate um, that requirement, and actually, because enough time has passed since the GST, we can see real world outcomes and they're trending really well for those students who are part of that cohort who are required to learn about money in order to pass high school. Yeah. I think it would be really bold if we could do that as a nation. So, I Have
0: think, you got um, any <laughs> goals or dreams of moving to Parliament and actually making this happen? How do you make that happen?
1: I think um, I feel I'm best position to influence that from outside of Parliament. Okay, right. and I think okay there pressure's up, pressure's off. <laughs> I think there are enough good agents in our government who are really receptive to this idea, and it, but it's going to be a movement, and like, Carissa, you're going to be a big part of that, and so too are your listeners, and we're all going to have to get on board and really hold our government to account and ask, what financial future do we want? Actually, what future do we want for Aotearoa? Our finances mm. is wrapped up in everything. It really um, is. And I think that it's something that we could tangibly do as a nation that's more than just a signal but it ensures the next generation's going forward life will be different for them. Yeah, I um
0: yeah, cuz you know from a parent perspective, I do worry about our mm. kids. Actually, no I don't because I know they're going to be okay. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm fortunate mm. that I look and think about it every day as a financial advisor. But I do worry about what the world's going to look like. And we do hear about the housing markets. But I know if we're mm. the ones worried about our kids, they'll be all right. But it's it's making sure that we leave the ladder down for everyone and making sure that we're not widening the gap, isn't it? And I think that's where you have had the foresight and... You know, I'm not going to say you're lucky because you've actually created this, you've risked, you've worked hard, and you've you're making change. It, it just seems like such a basic solution mm-hmm. that schools should, every school in New Zealand should have banker in them. Every school in New Zealand should really care about the financial welfare of the next generation.
1: Yeah, and look, I, I will be the first to say there's definitely been luck in my journey, and I don't think that needs to take away from any of the decisions I made or the risks I took. Luck was a strong component. But I do sympathise with schools who feel like they can't introduce something new to the curriculum because the curriculum is pretty clustered. Um, we have seen, clustered, sorry, we have seen um, some new content come in through Ulte Dollar Histories, which is fantastic. Yeah. Nothing's gone out, right? So I think we need to be able to take our educators and schools on a journey. I think everyone gets the importance of this stuff. It's more operationally, well, how do we do it? We're so busy as it is. Um, and that's where tools like Banker can help because we make it easy, but not just Banker. And I'm really quick to always say that, like, there's actually an awesome suite of tools out there and we just need to advocate for one another because we're all connected. Yeah. We're all pushing for that same overall goal. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love it. Kendall, I'm very conscious I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But as an individual here and now, if you could leave us with one helpful tip or tool which everyone could go away and do to help the nation. I'm so, I sound like I'm on a campaign, but I'm not on a campaign. But what is one thing like we can't like it all seems too big. What is one little thing that people could be doing? to help the next generation from a financial literacy point of view?
1: So the first thing is, we've kind of touched on it already, is talk about money. Things fester in the shadows and money is no different. And in fact, we know about compound interest. We know how it works for us and it works against us. So when you're in debt and you don't talk about that, the every day counts, Chris. there's probably someone out there really willing to help you. So we need to model that behavior mm-hmm. and we need to make it okay to talk about money, the good, the bad, um, whatever your money reality looks like today, to start talking about it. And I think if you can model that for your kids, they become confident themselves talking about money and that'll only have flow and effect when they engage in a formal financial education. And just remember, you don't have to do everything for your kids when it comes to money. You're a part of the equation. But research would say that, you know, by the teens, their friends and these social influences are going to outweigh any influence you can have on them. But if you can lay those foundations where they're always not safe to talk about money, I think that's a fantastic place to start.
0: Oh, you are amazing. And from the next generation of New Zealanders, um, <laughs> who one day look back and realise that you were a guru in this area and helped every single one of them get to where they are. I thank you for your time today to and um, I can't wait to see you again at some stage in the future. Thanks, Christopher Remember to subscribe to the Advice Podcast on your preferred podcast platform. Follow us on Instagram at The Advice Podcast and feel free to get in touch about any financial topic you want to see tackled. The information shared on The Advice Podcast is of a general nature and is not intended as personal advice. This podcast exists for educational purposes and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Carissa Fairbrother is a financial advisor engaged by Rival Wealth to provide financial advice. Rival Wealth is a financial advice provider licensed by the Financial Markets Authority. A disclosure document is located at rivalwealth.co.nz or a written copy is available
1: on request.